Hello everyone, this is Ryan Mancini, one of the co-hosts here at Mars on Life. Something you may have realized uh, is a lot of things have changed, and Sebastian and I have had to change things up in regards to the podcast just so we can make sure not only are we providing the right content we want to provide for you, but also uh, keep ourselves safe and ourselves healthy. Uh, if you probably have not heard already, um, I'm sure you have. There is a pandemic going on at the moment, a coronavirus pandemic that has spread all across the globe. Uh, So far, there have been several hundred deaths here in the United States. Uh, In other places like parts of China, as well as Italy, it is much more traumatic. Um, Something that Sebastian and I uh, are going to continue pursuing is getting in touch with artists who want to share their stories, who want to talk about how their craft reflects the times that we live in. And I think now is a time more than ever where we need the arts, uh, and the arts needs to be kept alive. Um, Whichever way you can, please support any artists you know in your life, uh, as well as giving that kind of sense of community for artists that really need it in a time like this. They could be local journalists. They could be YouTubers. They could be people that still practice painting on a canvas. Um, There's a lot of people out there that desperately need help. Um, And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, oh, they're not making enough money. Oh, it's the art industry. No, it's because this is something unprecedented. Uh, Really, the only economic downturn we have to look forward to is something pretty close to the Great Depression, uh, and thusly much worse than it was in the 2008 crash. Um, So right about now, it's about keeping people stimulated. It's about keeping people uh, from being depressed and anxious and frustrated with living in isolation. Uh, Speaking as somebody who feels like he's going crazy. Um, But I think it's something we all need to remember, even though movie theaters are shutting down and film productions are canceled and uh, big Premieres have also been pushed or sent straight to streaming. Um, Now's a time more than ever to help the people that you know in your life or even people that admire you, uh, or rather the people that you admire, um, helping them out and making sure that they actually have something to live for in the days to come. Because without inspiration, without art, where are we as a society? And um, since a lot of the recent art news has been sort of overcrowded with cancellation after cancellation, closure after closure. Uh, We here at Mars on Life decided to do a bit of a showcase on some movies that came out last year. Uh, This is my personal top 10 best movies of 2019 list. This was something that uh, I brought it up with Sebastian and he thought, yeah, let's make this into an episode. And uh, it's just us sharing our thoughts over these 10 films. Um, I know Sebastian was able to get in, he was able to get a copy of the number one film. And we talked about that at length, uh, which is that and multiple other reasons why this episode and the next one are a bit on the longer side. Um, We're certainly trying our best to make sure we get to that 45 minute mark, but this is what happens when conversations about the arts are that entertaining. So, um, Sit back, take some notes. Uh, If you're at all curious about any of these movies, 
they're all out. They all came out last year. They're all uh, easily accessible. And um, above all, everyone, please stay healthy and stay safe. Uh, these are some weird and scary times. And I think these are the times where we need to remember our duty as citizens of this country, but also understand uh, the importance of solidarity and helping the people that not only need the most help, not just in terms of health care or just any kind of aid whatsoever, but also the people that need the financial stability in order to keep going. Because uh, right now that's in jeopardy for a lot of a lot of people, not just in the United States, but around the globe. Um, so yeah, with that, I'm going to transition on into our episode and I hope you enjoy. So this is a change of pace for uh, Mars on Life. Am I all right? right? <laughs> I mean, it, I feel like it was just kind of necessary, though, given the times. You know, um, with everything that's going on out there in the world, people not being able to leave their houses, or more so doing it out of spite of, hey, I'm not going to be told what to do. This mm. is how we're going to be doing it this week. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for all of our early listeners, or new listeners, whatever whatever you ought to be called, uh, this is Mars on Life, and uh, this week uh, the arts are taking a bit of a breather. Um, that's because we're all in the middle of the apocalypse right now. Uh, I guess we're prepared, maybe. You know, as prepared as someone ransacking any big box um, <laughs> grocery store um, could be, you know, I don't know how it's like up there where you are, but um, let's just say Los Angeles, at least the hub of it, has just gone completely batshit, is yeah. really the best way to put it. Um, you know, yeah, I and then, kind of just sorry, speaks volumes. No, no, no. It just kind of speaks volumes about, you know, both how people are preparing and what people find the most important, you know, even mm -hmm. at the even at the expense of other people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's me on my soapbox. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, up where I am, it's kind of like, I don't know what's the best way to describe it. It's. It's certainly very eerie up here, um, especially when you hear about like our shopping mall, a bunch of its stores closed down. Um, shout out to Emily Alvarenga. She's covering that, been covering that, and uh, she's definitely somebody to look out for on this show in the future. Um, we almost had our first guest appearance this week but uh, with uh, Shawnee Badger, but... We decided to postpone, not just because of uh, everything going on with coronavirus and the quarantine, but also um, she had a, she had the chance to watch Rise of Skywalker, and um, she's not a fan. Not a fan, Sebastian. Not a fan. Mm, well, that's uh, that's that's two one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And this is coming from uh, someone who hasn't even seen the movie. So, <laughs> but. but um. Yeah, and, and it's funny, too. I was telling you earlier about um, 
about books on Amazon that touch on either the Spanish influenza from 100 years ago or uh, this one book that came out last year called Black Death at the Golden Gate. And a week ago, like around the time that we had recorded uh, our last episode, I was looking up those books. And in the last week, there's less of them being sold on Amazon, or at least there was a day ago. And they were very pricey. And uh, I, I can now say that I thankfully was able to get a hold of a copy called a uh, copy of a book called Pale Rider. And it's a more recent uh, history book on the Spanish influenza by I believe her name is Laura Spinney. Um, and I ended up buying it just because a, you know, the times that we're in, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people where I take Santiana very seriously about, uh, knowing the past otherwise you're doomed to repeat it um and also i bought it because uh i'm one of those people that i like to support uh female authors so that was uh, another another good reason to pick it up um but yeah and of course i got my copy of the plague by albert camus right in front of me um yeah i guess you you sure know how to you sure know how to keep an optimistic outlook (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen uh, the, uh, the the Spotify playlist that's been circulating uh, throughout this, oh, I uh, this outbreak? So basically, oh, actually, I take that back. I heard about it. I, uh, I haven't gone into the weeds about it, but tell me about it. So basically, this uh, Spotify quarantine uh, playlist—it's the most hilarious shit I think I've ever seen. Where you have uh, you have songs mm-hmm. um, that just you know obviously it it's a it's in tune to what's going on right right so we have right. something like um or wait maybe i'm just not seeing it. I, i'm looking i'm looking at it i'm trying to look for it right now but like everyone's trying to like jump on the okay here we go so we have like fever by the black keys harder to breathe by maroon <laughs> five sick feeling by boy pablo mask <laughs> off by future fucking um feels like we only go backwards by tame impala i mean it's <laughs> i mean like i can, I can kind of that title <laughs> yeah like i can kind of just uh, i can sense the whole like sense of community you know like mm-hmm. and it's kind of ironic with the whole um uh social distancing which isn't it is in itself an oxymoron um you know just yeah. people just trying to make light of the whole thing um mm-hmm. You know, I've been like memes have just been gold. Oh Oh. my goodness! It's and and in a weird way, one could argue that you know, given given the focus of this show, in a weird way, these memes are almost like an art form. Like they're they're a combination of satire and some kind of visual medium. I mean, well, that's what rage comics were back in 2010. You know, they were just yeah. they were just the introspective analysis of everyday mundanity that so many people relate related to and then they mm. just died off right and right. now we have all these uh these doomer boomer zoomer and uh bloomer sort of archetypes sort of taking their place it's like mm. people it's like people haven't let go and that's okay we just further expanded yeah. upon it so uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
spur of creativity with everyone being locked in their houses. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of those things where you're scratching your head in amazement at you know, to some to some extent it's sort of how people handle this. And I think for some people like, you know, speaking for a, you know, for a moment speaking on behalf of the people that are kind of taking this at face value and want to learn from it, um, which is kind of what I'm doing with picking up Pale Rider um, and also reading The Plague, <laughs> is learning about pandemics and, you know, watching and reading fiction, nonfiction, you know, whatever it is. I noticed on Netflix several days ago, that the 1994 movie Outbreak was trending. Yeah. And I finally decided to watch it. And <laughs> it's a pretty and, choice uh, movie. Outbreak and Pandemic. And I think... Um, well, there's uh, Contagion Clo- that's out uh, there. Clo- Cloverfield was definitely up there, too. Even though I don't think that had anything to do with the virus. Could be wrong. Interesting. Uh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, that's more yeah. alien invasion kind of... I, I, full disclosure, I have not seen Cloverfield. I feel bad uh, announcing that, but you know what? Come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, when it comes to found footage, and I mean, this is this is a pretty good segue into what we're going to be talking about. Oh, um, yeah. When it comes to found, when it comes to found footage movies, um, people like to pledge their allegiance to Blair Witch Project. Right. Um, it's okay. Hmm. You know, I think, I mean, definitely back then, you know, when it first came out, it was ahead of its time. But I think people have just memed the whole movie to death with oh, the yeah. whole, like, oh, Cabin in the Woods, Scary Curse, Voodoo mm-hmm. Dolls, uh, some guy's heart found in his flannel in the forest. <laughs> I think that's how it went. I don't know. Yeah, there, there's only, and I, I guess one of them. Because when I think about found footage movies, like uh, in, like found footage movies by themselves, mm-hmm. like are unnerving, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think when I think of the ones that I've probably gravitated the most to, um, one of them, and and it's debatable how much of the film you could call found footage because it has that feel. Um, but there's definitely parts of the movie where it's clear, clearly there is not a like third person cam like there isn't a camera that's a character. Clearly there's moments where there's a camera that's the literal film camera, and that would be yeah. uh, District Nine. We'll see. They try to um, they try to like circumnavigate that with yeah. having instances where it's like, oh no no no, uh, give me the camera, give me the camera, and you'll see the interaction of the camera mm-hmm. actually being passed. Um, yep. Other than that, and I mean, that it just actually, it just feels like any other movie that's been jump cut together, you know. But that that ties in with my other another. It's more of a set of found footage movies uh, that I actually got the chance to watch the first time uh, this past Halloween. That's the Wreck films, or at least the first few Wreck films. Have you seen those? Mm-hmm. They're Spanish horror film, and I I know the first one got an American remake that I haven't seen, but these movies, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm realizing on the spot, uh, 
the rec movies are actually kind of ideal for a time like this. So if you get the chance, check those out. You're you're not gonna. It's not a waste of money. I promise. Um, but they're they're kind of zombie outbreak sort of films. Um, but they're very tasteful and they're very well made films. Like, you know, I watched the first one and for the first few minutes I was like, eh, okay, this is all right. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I absolutely loved the movie. Plus, I was watching it with friends, and I think that kind of helped elevate the film viewing experience. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah, those first couple of rec films are absolutely terrific. Check those out. Um, and, I mean, if it's better than uh, World War Z, then, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's just sort of the go-to contagion, um, like, virus turn turns people feral type yeah. You know, type movie, and I mean, for 2013, like you know, <laughs> and, and right. there's there, there's two fun facts also about that movie that I'll point out before we get to our our main topic. Um, that with World War Z, uh, the guy who wrote the book, Max Brooks, recently had a, a video online talking about he, he has a background in health. Um, he was a re- he'd sometimes be a regular guest on like Bill Maher's show and. He'll show up in other programs as well. Uh, programs, I sound old. Um, mm-hmm. But his father is Mel Brooks. Right. You know, and so he made this video with Mel Brooks behind a glass door. And he's telling, you know, he's Max Brooks is saying like, you know, hey, I can't see my dad because of everything that's going on. So practice self-distancing. If I were to go in and see him and if I had the virus and then he goes to see Carl Reiner, who then goes to see Dick Van Dyke then I've unintentionally wiped out a whole generation of comedy. And you don't hear Mel Brooks until the very end through the glass. And he basically tells his son, he's like, Max, Max, okay, go away. It was good to see you, but go home. Um, and, and another fun thing about World War Z is uh, Peter Capaldi, who I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He's a Scottish actor. Um, he was in the thick of it in the loop. Um, but he also played the 12th doctor in doctor who. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I know it's, I kind of fell out of doctor who, um, Oh God, man, you just opened up a a Pandora's box with that. Oh dear. That could be a whole episode in (laughs) of itself. Oh geez. I'm just going to say for the record, um, uh, Eccleston was the best case closed. Okay, uh, I I sympathize. I don't agree with no. you, but I, I that's hey Eccleston <laughs> was my first doctor, so I, I I'm I, one of those well, people that well, I'm one of I the mean, few I'm, people that'll defend him. I'll put it that unless way. Unless you were a diehard uh, Doctor Who Whovian, however mm-hmm. you say, you know, unless you started with uh, William Hartnell back in 1960, then yeah, uh, 63. <laughs> yeah, 63. I I guarantee you. I think Eccleston was a lot of people's firsts, so. Oh, yeah. But um, in World War Z, Peter Capaldi played a doctor with the World Health Organization, which mm-hmm. meant that his credit said he was a who doctor. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kill me Anyway, <laughs> since we got, uh, let's see, since we got about... Now, 10 seconds to the 15-minute mark. I guess now's a good time to touch upon the main topic. Actually, right before we do that, uh, very quickly, I guess, kind of how are you doing with... Because in case our listeners don't know, um, 
we're remotely talking to each other. Um, right. Both at our homes, we didn't decide to make our pilgrimage to uh, our pilgrimage to the microphone. Uh, but I guess, yeah. What's how's everything been going on with you? I mean, it's you know, it's it's like a. It's like the dude says, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. But I, I think with this whole, um, you know, coronavirus and sort of self-quarantine, uh, there is sort of a a barometer of how much I'm willing to to go outside and to interact with people and to go shopping and to, mm-hmm. you know, avoid the crowds as much as possible. You know, uh, if you're asking if I'm scared... No, but if you're right. asking it, but if you're asking if I'm, you know, at least the least bit paranoid, eh, a little bit, you know. Yeah, I know from where you are, it's kind of, it's more remote, like location-wise. So it's good yeah. to finally. I mean, introverts kind of do this shit daily. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not labeling myself as either one or the other, but mm-hmm. it is kind of difficult, I guess. And I think unanimously people can agree uh, to keep oneself busy is probably mm-hmm. the most um, crucial thing to do, whether it be working yeah. from home, uh, most likely taking classes from home if people are still in school. Right. Uh Fun fact, I literally just had one professor straight up, uh, once he sent the email, um, pretty much gave up on teaching the whole semester. He, he was like that, uh, who yeah. was it? It was it was ahead of one of the primaries. Uh, there was some state official who basically gave up in the middle of a, a press conference where he said, I, I just can't, I can't do this. And that's what it sounds like that professor of yours did. No, basically, he's like, you know. I get it. You're probably watching Contagion or World War Z or playing or playing World of Warcraft or, you know, doing something else to pass the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. there is no feasible way to teach this class online. And I really got to hand it to him. The fact mm-hmm. that he was so honest about, like, his willingness to do so, mm-hmm. because it's not like he didn't know how to do it. It was just like, you know, it's just not feasible. Uh, Zoom sucks. It always will mm-hmm. suck. And, um you know, I kind of, I definitely respect adults that know their limitations, especially in dealing with a class that it was pass fail anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really had anything to lose. Right. But as far as health is concerned, I mean, pretty good. You know, okay. like as any twenty-two-year-old. <laughs> self-diagnosed, you know, 22-year-old could be. Right. Pretty good. Okay. No, that's... Honestly, uh, I think having a... But how are you doing? Oh, you know what? I mean, well, well, let's put it this way. Um, You know, when when listeners hear this, it's going to be fright... What is it? It'll... It'll be Friday the – let me just check my calendar. Uh, it'll be Friday the 20th. I was supposed to go back to work uh, Wednesday the 18th, and, uh, well, that's not happening. Um, uh, where I work, that's classified. Um, but it's it, – you know, 
I, I've had a few moments of like, okay, I, I'm getting a little tired of this, but at the same time, I think to some degree, because I've kind of had enough moments in my life where I've been able to sort of grapple with things and take them at face value and not like basically kind of shake myself off from the moment and just persevere, which is kind of a personal motto of mine just to persevere. Um, you know, it's been tolerable. It's been all right. I mean, I've got, you know, I'm with my family. We got plenty of food. We got plenty of stuff to keep us busy. Um, you know, I got enough books to read until, you know, the next century. Uh, but on top of that too, like, I think the thing that keeps coming to mind that I still have difficulty shaking off is whenever I hit that realization of what is happening and to some degree, I equate it to, uh, November 9th, 2016, where I remember, I remember waking up the next day and my roommate at the time, he woke up around the same time I did and he's still in bed. I'm just sitting up in my bed and he asks, uh, Hey, did Donald Trump still win? And I looked at him and I said, I'm not sure. Let me check my phone again. Um, because it was just that unbelievable of an experience that the guy who had no chance of winning won. And that's kind of the same feeling now where it's like, instead of waking up, it's more like I'll just have a passing moment in the middle of the day where I'll think, wait a minute, mm-hmm. there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> like, and and it'll just kind of shake me a little bit to be like, oh, that's why I haven't shaved my face in several days. Or, yeah. you know, that's why I haven't left the house. Like, I would have, you know, gone out, seen friends. You know, I would have seen you in person. Well, well uh, how would have gone you, back to well, work. How, well, how would you have felt if, you know, let's say if we're talking from the perspective of someone who, say, doesn't go out often or doesn't interact with the outside world, you know, mm-hmm. how would you how would you feel like you would act in um you know a state such as this because even at even in my most sedentary days the inkling to go outside has been more sporadic than ever even if it's just for even if it's just for a total bullshit reason like Mm -hmm. oh i want to go to the store not to buy you know food and uh, toilet paper again not even seeing the correlation this far into it. And it's only day six. Um, But like, you know, I'm going to go get a burger. I'm going to go get like a, like a milkshake or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my not even need to socialize, just need to get outside the four walls that surround me. uh, Right. It's just, it's just random, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, even the idea of going out to like, get coffee or get food like you know earlier uh my sister went out to get starbucks and to some degree you know and and i asked for some for some tea and even i was like a little irksome about drinking out of the cup like i ended up just opening up the cup and pouring my tea it was i had some iced tea and i poured it in a regular glass here at home um, and then I threw out the cup and washed my hand. Like it, for me, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like a serial germaphobe. I'm not like Donald Trump. Um, thank goodness. 
but I, you know, if I know people are sick, even if it's the cold, I'm a little bit like, I don't want to have to touch what they touched. Oh um, yeah. I've, I've found myself going back home. Like if mm-hmm. I need to, like, if I need to run several errands, I'll do something. I'll do one of them, go back home to wash my hands and then yeah. go out again to continue, you know, because, yeah. um, it's just, I don't know. I felt better about doing that, even though if it takes time out of my day, mm-hmm. I'd rather, even if it's just a placebo, I'd rather do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I know I'm going to have to go out for a drive or something probably one of these days in between, in between this episode and the next one. Um, but, and, and even just, you know, viewing things like, you know, I've got the Dune novel sitting right next to me on my desk, along with the plague, and it's one of those things where I start thinking about, uh, you know, is the Dune movie still coming out at the end of the year? Uh, you know, like, like I think just factoring in on, and this is something that um, you know viewers can see not just at my social media, um, but also at the Mars on Life Instagram and Twitter. We've been pointing out all the different closures as well as all of the different avenues, um, artistic avenues that you could help out, whether that's artists, YouTubers, uh, museums, uh, other podcasts. You know, we've been giving big shout outs to all of them, all any that we can think of, um, just because this is such a weird, bizarre time. And even though we're kind of going to add on to that zeitgeist, I think something well worth bringing up to people is the fact that, you know, we're in 2020, uh, and there were a lot of good movies that came out last year. And I think if people missed out on some of those, like I know there was one in particular you missed out on, which don't worry, we'll get to that at the end of this list. Um, but but there were there were a lot of really good movies that came out last year, and I think now more than ever is a good time for people to pick those up. And um, yeah, I think now full disclosure, this is my top ten movies of 2019, and I know you haven't seen all of them because I know I sent a copy yeah. of my list to you. Yes, um, you did. And I guess it was, uh, it, it was kind of interesting looking at this top ten list yeah. and. Sort Mind of you, it was, seeing... it was in descending order, just so you know. So, right, The Highwayman is not my number one movie of 2019. It's my number ten movie. <laughs> no, I was gonna say that's um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even need to watch it to know that uh, you know, th- this isn't this isn't Ryan Mancini number one material. So, uh, um, but I was very surprised at your at your number one. Okay, well, don't worry, we'll we'll get we'll touch on that. I think. Some of these it'll be a little bit quicker just because it's it's been a minute since I've seen right. some of them. Um, I know that the number one and number two movies I've seen multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with number four and let me get my math right. One, two, three, four, five, six. And my number six. Um, but yeah, I guess to start off, uh, The Highwayman. Um, it was a Netflix movie that came out last year. Stars Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, and it's about two retired uh, Texas Rangers going out on one last, uh, I guess you'd call it, kind of tour of duty together. 
uh, and that's basically to track down and apprehend Bonnie and Clyde. Um, oh, so it's it's not so much an origin story of it so much as it is the the uh, opposing perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, okay. let's put it this way: it's, it's so kind it's, of like, like, it's like the it's like the Back to the Future two of Bonnie and Clyde, where it's the same thing but just from another perspective. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's or, or another. That's a really good, really good reference there. Um, <laughs> another. Because another one I thought of that it was sort of similar to, albeit two radically different properties, but in a lot of ways it's uh, it's sort of like the kind of story you would expect from like The Dark Knight Returns, where it's aging men of the law coming out to exact justice on, you know, the biggest, baddest mofos out there. And... Um, yeah, it's it was a really really entertaining movie. I mean, it's you know I was somebody who I grew up with westerns. I loved Lonesome Dove. Uh, I've read the Lonesome Dove book, so it had a lot of similarities with the Texas Rangers in retirement plotline. Um, I also like Kevin Costner. I've loved him ever since I saw Dances with Wolves many many years ago. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was one of those Netflix movies that was really under the radar last year. Like, I don't think there was, a, there were too many people that pointed it out or talked about it. I know it had a limited release uh, before it came out on Netflix uh, almost a year ago now. It came out uh, late March. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, is this something that you, you'd probably check out? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we still got nine more to go, but (laughs) (laughs) that's true. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, And it's also it's kind of a subtle movie. Like it's not, uh, you know, it's also it's a subtle movie. But even though it has Western undertones, it's very of its time. So, you know, people are driving cars and people Mm. are using Tommy guns. Um, So, okay. (laughs) well, and that's, you know, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. That was you know about a hundred years ago now, but um, or actually ninety years ago. Uh, it's in the thirties. Um, yeah, no, solid, solid movie. Um, so then I my mean, number nine movie. Yeah. Or sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh go no, ahead. no, no, no. No, I was gonna say. Um, you know, I'm just I'm looking up and down this list, you know, again and again, and. I guess full disclosure on my end when it comes to uh, to movies. Mm-hmm. In a way, this whole uh, quarantine is, has given me a lot more time to watch a lot more movies. And uh, again, full disclosure, it's not that I'm one to it's not that I'm one to not like movies. It's just the fact that, admittedly, I haven't seen too many of them this year because a lot of them haven't been interesting. Um, this year, twenty in twenty twenty or in twenty nineteen. Um, with me, I'll look at a film that's like a major blockbuster, and right. I will look at it and I'll say, I I really want to see that, and then everything in my power will be to avoid that movie. Uh, yeah, and here's why: because and it's like you know our feature presentation that we're going to talk about a little later. I would like to watch a movie or really view any piece of media, such as, you know, play a video game or listen to a song or whatnot uh, in a fresh perspective where not everyone is talking about it. 
not everyone is writing columns about it or attaching some politicized agenda to it. Um, that'll really come into play when it uh, when we talk about the uh, the creme de la creme on our lists here. Oh, even uh, hell, even uh, you know, movie number four, that's political too. So oh, don't yeah, worry, we 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 got time, baby. But uh, I definitely like to look at things with a with a fresh new perspective, where not everyone is talking about it. Yeah, and you know, I can walk away from it. I feel feeling more in engrossed in the story i can take away from it more i don't have to let other people's opinions you know kind of sway mine if that makes any sense um yeah there have been some movies for lack of a better term uh that i've been kind of convinced into liking and now looking at them with a fresh face um it's not all that (laughs) you know like so so you would you would say that you've been uh as uh, to borrow a term from the great uh, Chris Stuckman, you've been phantom menaced. In a way, yeah, because yeah. because when I see a movie, even with friends, you know, I'm not one to kind of join the hive mind of you know, oh, this movie was good or bad because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I definitely right. like to have my own subjective opinions on it. Oh yeah, um, but when it comes down to something like let's say the phantom menace i'm i'm watching the movie i'm watching the phantom menace because there are some parts of it that are legitimately enjoyable that i find enjoyable right i'm not i'm not watching it because it's a star wars movie because if i judge it on the on the merits of a star wars movie it's going to get its ass kicked (laughs) amen to that you know we got we got we got nine more movies to get through so let's uh let's let's start barreling barreling our way so uh, speaking of star wars uh we've got marriage story uh that's another netflix movie that came out last year uh directed by noah bombach and um yeah this was a movie that i had heard all the buzz about it for a while i avoided it just because uh for reasons i will not explain here i kind of related to the movie uh full disclosure i'm not married never have been um but you know i'm also a fan of adam driver so i kind of threw that in the mix in terms of checking the movie out and so uh yeah i mean the 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 best way i would describe this movie is imagine all of the divorce scenes in mrs doubtfire but made into a full feature length movie now I've talked with some people that they've told me that that's a total turnoff. I respect that. Um, To some extent, the movie was very much about acting, or as John Lovitz would say, acting. But, uh, you know, uh, come on, it's all about acting, I tell you. Uh, it, It was still an interesting movie with an interesting story behind it about watching a marriage fall apart between Adam driver's character and uh, Scarlett Johansson's character and, and getting to see God, the, the fight scene, I guess, or the argument scene as it's known uh, Mm -hmm. has one of the most meta movie moments that I have seen in so many years with Adam driver's character, where he says a line that easily could have been said in a star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so just for that alone, it's worth watching this movie. 
Um, just because I know it was parodied by other people online. I thought I discovered comedy gold, but I later found out other people noticed it. But um, yeah, I guess, is it something up your alley? Or I guess give me kind of a quick take on whether or not you check it out. Because that's the thing is I'm suggesting all of this for you and also for viewers. But if there's any the, of these that you ever want to pass, l- like... L- let me, let me put it gonna... to you this way. Let me put it to you yeah. this way. The memes out of this movie were fucking fantastic. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know oh, if yeah. you've seen the memes. Oh, yeah. So, oh, oh. Uh, I, I've seen more than, more than my fair share. You know, so, <laughs> I, I think that if you can have such a you know, a community around a movie that, you know, had a totally different message of what's initially intended in some of these four panel comics, Um, you know, like they can appreciate the humor in it as well as appreciate just the story and judge it on, you know, as a movie, then then definitely. That was actually one of the movies that I was going to see. uh, And then it just kind of got shrouded in, Whatever the hell people were making out of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh no, because it, it 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 was a huge contender uh, during the award show, the award season, and I don't think it won anything. So no, it's and and the sad thing is, is that that ties that kind of ties in with our number three movie because that movie should have won half the awards and it won nada. Um, but anyway, before we get to those coveted three, that trinity, um, the next film number eight that i have on here it's not a film necessarily or at least it's not like a you know it's a long story short it's a documentary um and it's called Mm -hmm. rolling thunder review uh it's by martin scorsese and it's a follow-up uh documentary to his previous one that was done i think over a decade ago about uh bob dylan and his music career Hmm. and this focuses a lot on a kind of traveling group that okay. Bob Dylan had 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 sort of cobbled together with the help of, you know, other musicians like Joan Baez, uh, Joan Baez rather, um, and then also Allen Ginsberg, the great beat poet. Um, and it was, it's set in the early 70s. And at this point, Bob Dylan was kind of getting out of his born-again Christian phase and getting more back into kind of his old style of music, um, but still a bit folksy. And it even touches on uh, one album in particular that he made during that time called Desire, which it only has a handful of songs on it, but it's an amazing album. Um, And it opens with the song Hurricane, which is about... uh, Oh, shoot, I'm blanking on his first name because... it. he pronounced Bob Dylan pronounces it like differently in the song. Uh, so I just want to make sure I get it right. Reuben Carter, the hurricane who, uh, he was a middleweight boxer, uh, who was wrongfully convicted of murder and then released following a petition of habeas corpus after serving almost 20 years in prison. Uh, that's per Wikipedia. What a reliable source. But if you listen to the Bob Dylan song, it pretty much says that too. Um, gotcha. Okay. It's, it's so trippy and it's so cool um, because to some degree you feel like you're watching, you know, I mean, obviously rock and roll in the seventies was a thriving beast during that decade. I mean, 
you know, the Eagles were still around. I think they were just getting started around this point. Um, but this was a monolith of the sixties who was going through a reinvention of his own, his own genre of music. And to hear him, you know, he he actually, they interview him, you know, they have contemporary interviews with him. There's so much footage and different interviews from back in the day. And it really, it's really a tapestry as to what the Rolling Thunder Review was as kind of a touring group going around the country. Uh, They met with one of the Six Nations of the Iroquois Confederacy in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, they lobbied for Reuben Carter to get out of prison. Um, Right, right. I mean, I I don't know. I guess what's your kind of... I I don't know if you're a Bob Dylan fan or... Bob Dylan... Bob Dylan, not exactly. And that's probably just my lack of, you know, interest over the years of, you know, maybe not listening to his music. Uh, right. When it comes to documentaries or hell, even mockumentaries, um, <laughs> big fan when it comes to that. So okay. it, it's probably one of those types of uh, types of features where I'm guessing get a few friends over, have have a few drinks, vibe out, doing that kind of thing, you know. Hell, when when this whole uh, th- hopefully when this whole thing is over, you and I can watch it because I it's it, it's something that you know looking at this list, a mm. part of the reason why a lot of these movies are on this list is their rewatchability, and right. all right. of them all of them are viable for that. I mean, because I, I had a separate list of my five disappointments of last year, and you know, <laughs> like it was one of those things where I had to like kind of compare and contrast. And I realized, you know what? I'm a Bob Dylan fan. I love rolling thunder review and I, d- I have rewatched it. So it's, it's definitely something check worth checking out. And the thing I love too about it as speaking as a journalist is that watching how Bob Dylan will answer questions. You're, you're watching a, a true poet. Like, mm-hmm genuinely sort of circumnavigate how to answer questions. When I mean circumnavigate, I don't mean like avoid or, you know, punt. I mean, like he's thinking hard about what he's about to say because he knows it's going to wind up in a history book somehow. And there's something mesmerizing about it because you just, you do not see any intellectual talk like that anymore. Other than, you know, I mentioned before, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, so to see Bob Dylan kind of like contemplate what he's about to say before he says it, absolutely mesmerizing. Um, all right, next one on this list, Dolomite is my name. Um, this was, uh, best way to describe it, Eddie Murphy's return. Uh, he plays filmmaker Rudy Ray Moore in, uh, a (sighs) film that basically is a biopic on guy who really you know started a whole series of black black exploitation films and it's you know let's put it this way it's not it's not as funny as it's not it's not the it's not the 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 tried and true uh yet overdone eddie murphy shtick right no like let's i'll put it this way if you're a coming to america fan don't expect the same humor as coming to America. Um, 
if Shit. you're a like if you're a if you're a Shrek or God forbid if you're a haunted mansion or trading places or whatever Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle if you're a fan of any of those movies don't expect the same kind of humor because this is a human a very human story but damn is it funny and like you know the what Eddie Murphy's character puts himself through throughout this movie is so good and it's one of those stories that even though they're clearly making a movie and you know a lot of people have compared this movie with um the Tim Burton film Ed Wood with Johnny Depp <laughs> and really? I see that oh yeah okay. yeah but, right. but here's the thing Ed Wood was very well received and Dolomite that was one of those movies that people were really amped to see win some major, major, major awards. And, uh, and it got totally snuffed everywhere you looked. Um, and it's, it's tragic because Eddie Murphy, you know, he still got it. And to see him interact with this cast, I never thought in my life I would see Eddie Murphy act alongside Snoop Dogg. Let's put it that way. Like that was, that was kind of surreal. Um, and, and damn, was it funny. So, and, and, okay. and his little catchphrase that he has, oh my God, like, please just watch Dolomite is my name. Give that movie some love. Um, all right. Now, some, something you'll have noticed with the last four films is that they've all been Netflix movies. Yeah. And this is a trend I mean, you're going to notice. Yeah. No, Sorry, I, go, I mean, I'm, go ahead, I'm, looking go ahead. At them, I'm looking at them right now and, um, they all seem pretty categorized as as such. Uh, if you want to go into the next one, if you kind of want to like clump them together, like based off of that, like that's like that's definitely up to you. Well, I'll, I'll put it I'll put it this way, and I'll I'll probably mention this once we get to the number one movie. But you're going to see a trend with a lot of these movies, which is um, with a lot of movies that I and, and albeit. You see, I'm saying, albeit in uh, in place of granted, you see, um, you with see. a lot of these movies, <laughs> with a lot of these movies, it's about affordability um, for me. And mind you, if it was any other year, these movies would have been all over the place, production company wise. I mean, my favorite movie of 2018, I believe it came out in 2018, uh, was Bohemian Rhapsody, and that was a 20th Century Fox movie back when. It wasn't owned by the mouse. Um, <laughs> these these movies, it's it's very specific just because of not only the affordability, but also just kind of sheer happenstance, um, both because these are all companies that I have some favorability towards. But at the same time, these were all these all ended up being subjectively very great movies, in my opinion. Um, so just like I said, you'll see once I get to number one, um, but my next Number one, two, three, four. Oh, wait, no. Ten, nine, eight, nine, seven, seven, six. Reading backwards here. Um, my number six is It Chapter Two. That movie was awesome. I know there were some people that didn't like the fact that it was hella long. Uh, it's the first and the okay, last one I'm going to say right. hella on this show. Okay, but but look, you know, yeah, yeah. If you want to look, if you want to rewind the clock back to Tim Curry's It, you know, the original. That miniseries was long as shit. Okay, right. it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a movie. It was a miniseries, right? Well, it, was so, a, it was a television movie. So it 
yeah, it was kind it was of like, a miniseries, but yeah. Um, but you got to understand that 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 entire um, that entire movie brought in, you know, remade in God. When did uh, it Chapter One, like the the remake of uh, it? When did that come it, out? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of people just kind of wondered why it chapter two even kind of came into being in the first place like i remember when i used to work at uh the movie theater yeah when it chapter one uh was showcasing i remember hearing a lot of sort of side comments being like wow i didn't expect that to follow um the original that well is there going to be another one and you know obviously we didn't have the answers fucking lowly employees but wait a minute yeah there was an answer because at the end of it chapter one spoilers for a movie that's been out two and a half years but um (laughs) it it had the it would say at the end or it said at the end it chapter one now you hear that and you're realizing wait a minute this movie was only marketed as it so the fact that they're making it abundantly clear hey wait a minute there's a chapter one Therefore means, guess, you know, it's it's like at the I end of a James Bond question, movie when they say James Bond will return, you know, okay, or well, 007 James, will return. Okay, but you know James Bond is going to return. At the end of it, it pretty not, much wraps not, itself up Not necessarily. Relatively well. Hey, there was a gap between uh, uh, License to Kill and Goldeneye that lasted a cool minute. And, and same goes with... Uh, oh, God, what was it? I, I, think, I think there was a gap in time between uh quantum of solace and skyfall so it's but But you knew that there was going to be another james bond movie you know because when it comes to james bond there's always going to be ends that aren't tied up when it comes to it and especially when it comes to um you know sort of the remake versus the original um again Mm -hmm. i didn't see the original because uh there are some stephen king movies that I like, and then there are some Stephen King movies that I tolerate. And right. you may cru- you may crucify me for this opinion. However, I believe wholeheartedly that uh, stories such as Bag of Bones, which everyone dogs on, uh, holds up a lot better than uh, other stories. See, and that's the thing is, yeah, I'm not like, like uh, the, the little I'm not story, a big, I'm not a Stephen King reader. Well, see, that's the but see, that's the thing. Stephen King can get away with using these tired cliches over and over. He does it every single fucking book, right? Right, right. So you have one that kind of deviates from the norm, like Bag of Bones, which I highly recommend you see. The uh, I oh god, if it's on Netflix, um, it's a movie that's broken up into two parts so it's like a four okay. hour kind of kind of junction um i thoroughly believe and it's probably me just kind of growing up um in an age and in a household where the shining was just kind of done to death where you know you grow up with the here's johnny jokes and yeah you, you kind of get sick of it yeah um uh misery was pretty good um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like how i'd rank the you know kind of the stephen king movies that are uh left forgotten in a way Uh, but anyway going back to it 
I didn't see the I didn't see the remake of it in 2017. I don't know if they did the whole jump cutting back from when they were adults to when they were kids. No. And that sort of so kind of su- that kind of sort of supplants the whole. This is why the loose ends are tied up because it starts with them being adults, flashback yeah. to kids, then back again, so and the movie between, ends with them as adults, it being wrapped up, right? So be- between the two movies. Uh, which, by the way, in, in my opinion, they're they're perfect bookends to each other. It, it's it's really hard for me to pick one over the other. I think if I had to, I'd go with the first one. But it's mm-hmm. so it's such a slim margin because the first one it has that, and albeit, and there I go saying albeit again. <laughs> uh, you know the the first movie, both movies have uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. So to some extent. The first film has that Stranger Things vibe, um, but at the same time, the second film, because the way they do it with both films is that the first one is only about the kids. The second film, the way it was marketed is that it's only about the adults. Okay, but there so are, but they so, made up. Hold on, but they made up. They made up scenes for. Sorry about that. They made up scenes for the uh, the kids. And then they digitally de-aged these kids because they have clearly matured in the three years since they made the first film. Okay. So and it's very obvious dig- digital de-aging. More obvious than something you'll see elsewhere on this list. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> why would they... My question is, why would they do that? If they can get away with it when it was... Um... Hold on a second. Well, like when uh, it was if, if, the first time. If, yeah, okay. So if they could get away with it in... Mm-hmm. Jesus, when was it released? The, oh, the okay, first if they, could, if they could get away with it in 1986 with the whole you know, conjoining of child and adult universes and have it wrapped up at the end... The question is, why didn't they do it here? And I know why well, they didn't do well, it there, because at the end of mm-hmm. it, one, they knew that they had the other half of the story to show. But right. in 1986, they didn't because they combined it all. Right. And honestly, I feel it, it worked better. You know. Well, I, I, I'd say, if anything, because this was something that I did. I watched oh, no, the I'm first sorry, one. I'm sorry. Uh, 1990, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was 19, because because you know what the irony is with the time gap between the TV movie and the first uh, uh, the first film that they made back in 2017. You know they say that Pennywise comes back every 27 years. Right. How many years is there between the Tim Curry and the Skarsgård versions of it? 27 years. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean. And, and the other thing, too, is the reason why I have this so high up on the list is over, you know, Rolling Thunder Review or Marriage Story uh, is because, you know, for me, I, I'm one of those people where <clears throat> I grew up watching movies that were blockbusters. I mean, you, you look at my top ten favorite movies of all time. The first five are all blockbuster popcorn movies. And so... I'll, I'm always going to have a soft spot for those movies, 
in my personal opinion, they're a dime a dozen. They're a dying breed. And uh, and so to some extent, getting something like It Chapter 2 and having it be as good as it was. I mean, James McAvoy, uh, uh, Bill Hader. Oh, my God. Bill Hader was great. Um, there were There were just... I think if anything, the scariest thing about the movie, and before I get on to the next film, uh, which is definitely not a scary movie, uh, eh, actually, I take that back. There's some scares in that other movie. But um, with It Chapter 2, what amazed me the most was that the acting talent they got to play the adult versions of these kids. There were actors in this movie that I had never seen before that not only looked identical to their child counterparts but they were absolutely phenomenal as actors and i think um they they're all spectacular in their own way they're all people that to be brutally honest there's a part of me that it's hard to see them in anything else just because these were adult for the majority i mean jessica chastain phenomenal james mcavoy loved him bill Hader, i've always loved bill Hader. But these other actors in the film, it's hard to see them play anybody else simply because they did an amazing job acting based off, you know, because you see, you know, for example, an actor like uh, Ewan McGregor playing uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or if we're going to keep it in Star Wars, um, Alden Ehrenreich playing Han Solo, who I thought he was the best part of Solo. Like to see it's one thing when you see actors have to portray a more kind of elder statesman actor play a certain character. It's another thing when you're watching adult actors basically play as good or as well as child actors playing these characters. It's it's astonishing. Um, And at the same time, the rest of the movie, it, it was entertaining I enjoyed it. I saw it multiple times in the theater just because it was like, damn it, I had fun that first time. I'm going to go see it again with somebody else. So, um, but I guess if anything, you know, if I had to recommend it to you and to the audience, watch both of them back to back because Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, they're, they're perfect bookends to each other. So, and, and, you know, I'm I'm not going to promise you're going to like it or love it, but I, I think it's, it's 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 worth a watch because you know full disclosure i'm not a horror film fan but i i got a copy of the first it on dvd and i watched it and i i figured you know what the hell i'm just gonna check it out and i was like wow this was pretty solid and i you know again i say that not as a horror fan i'm more of a horror fan now than i was a year ago um but yeah like you know they're both great You've been listening to Mars on Life. Part two of this episode will be available in just a couple of days. Please make sure that you find us over on social media at Mars on Life Show on both Twitter and on Instagram. And on top of that, you can find this show on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Our artwork is done by Zachary Erbrick, and our intro music is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. I've been Ryan Mancini, my co-host as always is Sebastian Shug, and just remember, if you keep on going, you'll make it to Mars. Mars.